Hey guys, Quincy here. I'm so excited to be recording again. I really enjoy podcasting, so I just feel like myself again, kind of. So I'm really excited. And in true Quincy fashion, I can't figure out how to edit this crap. So in the beginning, I ramble and, and like I'm nervous. So I go mm, like um like um like I do that so much. So I'm sorry. I personally find it annoying when I do it. I don't care when other people talk like that, but I think that I'm annoying. I just think I'm annoying in general. So sorry for dealing with that. If you just fast forward like 15 seconds, Mel starts talking. It's a really great episode. Thank you, Melinda, for coming on and sharing just a little bit about your story. I find it incredibly encouraging to hear about other people's life story and struggles. I think it creates some of the best people, the best mentalities, and you don't have to have these these traumatic stories to be a good person. Please don't take take that wrong. We know when I say that, but I'm just saying it tends to really cultivate this awesome perseverance mentality. And I'm just really into exploring that right now. I'm hoping to have a couple more guests on and just share people's stories. The idea for this came, I've had it for a while and I'm just now ready to pursue it, but I feel like we think that someone has to be like famous or accomplish some like big task or mountain of success to like want to hear like their their story. I don't know. And I just want to provide a platform for kind of average Joes, for lack of better terms, um, everyday people who are succeeding because we're all succeeding, I think. And that is my goal is to just get some people on, share their stories. I will also record a update for those of you who are interested, who kind of follow along with like the personal episodes that I do. I'll do that here shortly. But anyways, let's get to the podcast. Thanks for being here. And I look forward to recording a little bit more often these next few months. We'll talk to y'all later. I have to tell you, I'll, I'll give us a little intro and get into it. But I was like, I, of course, we're like, you know, Facebook friends. I know we're not best friends, but like you, I fault, you know, I like keep up with you. I'm like, Mel's had like a fucking year, bro. <laughs> so I was like, oh, girl. She, and I know like, that's just like the tip of the iceberg. Like we all don't share everything, you know? And like, so I can't imagine. And so I was like, you know, I was like, I hope it's not insulting to be like, Hey, it looks like you had a horrible <laughs> year. Like <laughs> So, yeah, after everything you've gone through, I don't know what made me want to do this. I'm like, like I said, I'm not riding. I've honestly been really bored because I'm not riding. I know I've, I only have one horse, but just taking that away from someone, like, you're just like, what do I do? Like, that was my thing. That's my thing, you know? Uh, I have one right now, too, and, I'm, and it, it's not that I'm bored. It's kind of, it's, it's nice that I have one horse because, honestly, now that I feel good, We've been doing more, like, normal people stuff. Yeah. Like, dinner and hanging out with his friends and just, like, being, you know, I'm, I'm nicer because I'm not paying. So it's been nice that I only have one horse. But now that I do feel good, I'm like, God damn, I wish I had, like, six horses. Right, right. Well, I'll give us a little intro and we'll get started. Uh, hey, guys. It's been a long time. We have... Melinda on the phone here and we're going to talk about just like overcoming I guess because we've all got so much that can go wrong in life you know sometimes it feels like a hundred a hundred things can go wrong in a day and everybody has that and I reached out to Melinda because she's kind of an open book on Facebook and I keep up with her and I was like this girl has had a rough go this year like many of us so Melinda's going to talk to us a little bit about what's been going on with her. Share as much or as little as you want. Mel, you know the drill. Like, this is your uh, spotlight when you're on here. Um, And just what do you want people to hear about, like, tough times and overcoming them? Because you're definitely someone who doesn't, like, seem, at least, to let it just, like, keep you down very long. You look like you're a very solution-oriented person. You're like, let's find the solution to move on, which is something that kind of made me want to – record some shows like this about this because my history not to talk too much about me but I used to be that kind of person where like something would get me down and I'd have to like lay down for a minute 
like, you know, literally and figuratively and pout about it. And then I got back up and found my way where now I'm just like a bulldozer and I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Like I don't get overwhelmed anymore. And so I had to grow that like perseverance muscle and podcast and hearing other people's stories is how I grew that. You know, I wasn't born like a natural, um, you know, tough perseverance person. Like I had to grow that. So anyways, enough about me. It's your floor. Tell us about your crazy, awful year. <laughs> I, I honestly wish it was just one year out of my life. Goodness. But um, I guess I'll start current year and then just kind of work backwards and why this year has been tough. But I mean, in Melinda world, it's actually not been horrible. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's true. That's true. I feel you there. So to fill everybody in, if you're not friends with me on Facebook, I had a herniated disc. I guess I still kind of do, um, but I herniated my disc when I was 15 years old. Uh, I used to go tie, so if you're a kid and you love go tying, just take care of yourself, please. Um, but I used to go tie, and when I was 15, I woke up one morning. I'm going to sound like a horse person, but I came up lame one morning. Uh, I went to get out of bed, and my feet didn't catch me, and I literally fell on my face because I couldn't feel my legs, which as a 15-year-old healthy kid, you're like, um, okay. So naturally, I bring this to my parents' attention, like, hey, guys, I can't walk. I can't move. I can't none of this. And my parents are like, you're lying. You're just faking it. Your sister just had a back injury and you just want attention. And I'm like, well, okay. I mean, if that's what we're going with, all right. So I just, for the next couple of days, it was 4th of July. I just kind of put a happy face on and went about life. And my dad, being more observant, I guess, was watching me when um, nobody, he didn't think I was paying attention. And he finally said to my mom, he's like, oh, you know, I, she's not faking it. Like maybe we should go get x-rays. Well, if you've ever had a herniated disc, it doesn't show up on x-rays because it's, um, fluid. So the x-rays showed degenerative disc disease, which prompted the doctors. They were like, well, she's 15. She shouldn't have degenerative discs. Let's do an MRI. So while we're waiting on this MRI, my mom's like, yeah, you're still faking it. Well, I'm like, oh, I mean, because at this point, with a disc flare-up, it was essentially a week of agonizing pain in my nerve, and then it would just go away, and I would, I would feel fine. So by the time everything happened, I felt fine. By the time we did an MRI and everything, I'm like, well, maybe, you know, it's nothing. Well, MRI came back, and the doctor was like, wow, that's a pretty significant herniated disc for a 15 year old so that kind of changed the course of my life I took a couple of years off from riding uh probably the worst time of my life because I went from riding I was riding like 10 horses a day going to I qualified for a high school rodeo finals and like didn't get to go to high school rodeo finals um like literally just knocked, knocked my world back a peg and so this year, uh, I was finally able to do back surgery, and it worked. And um, I, it, I didn't realize how much pain I was in until you don't have pain, and then you would have to think back on the pain you were experiencing. And I was like, wow, no wonder I was horrible. Like, it, it seriously took a toll on my marriage. It took a toll on my mental health. It took a toll. I mean, I was... God bless me, but I mean, I was still going to the gym five days a week. I was still riding a horse every day, two horses. In fact, I was still trying to compete, and I was probably at like an eight or a nine level pain, and I know everybody's pain scale is a little bit different, but if I had to guess, it would be essentially like breaking your arm repeatedly, and I just kind of got used to it. So after going through surgery, you know, within three weeks I was back to doing body weight exercises around the house like resistance bands and things like that I was walking about 20,000 steps a day um at six weeks I was back on a horse at weeks I was eating and at 10 weeks I ended up took my girlfriend Brandy Prindle's horse down to Texas uh Blackie and we ended up seventh at world and then 
turned around like three days later and ran a bonus race final. So in, uh, 10 weeks after my surgery, I'm pretty sure if my doctor ever hears this, he will hit me. But 10 weeks after surgery, I competed in two arguably very large barrel races and did, I mean, I'm not going to say great, but I did well. And I also had at least two different horses. So one horse that I had been riding for a little bit and then a girlfriend of mine, she offered up one of her rodeo horses because Blackie came up lame. So I rode a horse that I had never ridden before, you know, because why not? <laughs> so after bonus race finals, you know, everything's going really good. My grown mare, who's five, she won a decent check at bonus race finals, you know. We placed in the 2D overall. We didn't full check on the 2D. We wanted to check on 40, which money is money in my book. Um, but for the past year, she just hadn't been herself. And I was kind of, you know, I'm one of those people that if my horse stops working and I haven't changed anything, the first thing I look at is myself. And I'm like, wow, I've had to have changed something. So we go back to the very basics, and I'm, like, trying to adjust my writing. I'm trying to change bits on her. I'm reaching out to people. I sent her to Lauren Stroud. I have Lauren Ryder. I had Brandy Ryder. And both girls did really well on her. So I'm like, yep, yeah, it's 100% me. This is I – am, I am doing this. Well, she tried to fuck me off when I went down to Texas with Blackie for World and took her to the vet down there. And they're like, well, her cough and joint or SI are really sore. And I was like, I knew her SI was sore. I was like, I could feel it. Nobody up here really does SI injections. All the vets thought I was crazy. We injected her SI, injected her cough and joints, and she ran really good at bonus race finals. And I was like, oh, my God, I have my horse back. In the back of my mind, and if you have these feelings, you know, but I had this feeling. And something was telling me to do radiographs on this horse's feet, which is not something I really ever do, but I encourage everybody to do it, especially after what happened. Um, so I had radiographs set up for like the first week of August. Well, I went to leave to go to uh, the Barrels, Buckles of Barbecue in Carthage, and it was like Thursday, and she came up really late. And I'm like, well, maybe it's an abscess. Something in my gut was like, I don't think it's an abscess, but we're going to say it's an abscess. So I called vets in the area, and nobody can get me in, but luckily Randy had a spot at her vet that day, and she's like, just throw her in with mine, we'll have her looked at. Well, that vet, luckily, when Blackie came up late, he was the same vet that saw Blackie, and my farrier had dropped them down in their collar ankles and made them uneven so they were walking on the outside of their foot and they were dropped back on their heel so basically put a lot of pressure on their navicular which is putting a lot of pressure on their deep digital both horses same leg same diagnosis everything so i get gut punched the thursday before i'm supposed to leave for carthage with a hey your mare has navicular it is severe we're going to have to put three-degree wedges on her. Like, good luck with life. And I'm like, you're kidding me. Like, my five-year-old bear that was winning events last year, I don't, I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, great. Well, I get to breed her. Like, that's, that's where we're going. <laughs> so we put um, corrective chewing on her. And if you've ever seen the three-degree wedge with a pad on a horse it is like putting a tennessee walking horseshoe on your barrel horse okay they don't want to they don't want to run with it because it's heavy mm -hmm. so i just i'm like we we gotta go we gotta go we gotta get used to these shoes if this is the life we're gonna live you know i can't reach right now it's august let's see if we can get used to these shoes it is what it is let's see what we can do so i'm going i'm going and of course I'm an outward thinker on Facebook, so I'm keeping everybody up to date. And at the same time, I'm like, I need a farrier because I can't trust my farrier to ever touch my horses again after he did this to two horses. One horse, one horse I can forgive, but when you do it to two horses in a month, uh, you know. As much as it so, sucks to fire somebody 100% in the right for Yeah, <laughs> and then he... He didn't show up for the second radiograph appointment, and I was just like, you know, 
you don't care and that's fine but we're not, I'm, I'm done yeah so i'm outwardly voicing all of this on facebook and thank god for i know barrel racers get a bad rep for oh they're i don't know if you can say bitches but i'm gonna say bitches on a podcast you're good you know, we can be bitches yeah. i'll be the first one to admit i'm a bitch but there are some good people in this industry and Rodon Mitchell reached out to me and was like, hey, there's a barrier that helped correct my mare's feet and I think you should use them. And Rodon is one of those people, when she talks, I listen. Mm-hmm. There are just, there's some people that when they say something, I, I immediately like, oh, I'm doing it. So she sent me to a farrier called T.C. Snyder down there in Louisville, Kansas. And everybody was like, you know, he's not going to sugarcoat it, but he's going to fix it. And I said, I like those people. I really, really like those people. So I go down there, and he asks me, he's like, do you, do you like this horse's feet right now? And I'm like, no. I was like, I it physically makes me ill, because I was having nightmares. I was like, it, it, I, I'm thinking about breeding this mare, because I'm like, she can't run with three-degree pads on. Like, she, we're just not doing it. And he's like, I'm going to do something radical. And so he, he did, and it's been working. You know, we're still not winning races by any means, but... She's comfortable, she's happy, and she's sound, which, in my book, it says a lot. So, we, we, we kind of figured out her, I hope, and in the process of all doing all this, I decided, a few years ago, I want to breed horses, because, you know, when you're poor, that's what you do, because <laughs> breeding horses is cheap. Well, I have a really good mare that won, like, 30000 in already just a phenomenal little paint mare. If anybody knows me, they know my little paint mare. Well, I brought her first baby's getting ready to run his fraternity year with Morgan. And then she had a little uh, famous Bugs baby. I sold him as a wavelength, and I don't put blame on anybody because babies are babies. And if you've ever raised a baby horse, you know things happen. Well, somewhere in the process, he got hurt. And Morgan, who bought him, sold him to a girl, Kelsey, in Illinois. And then Kelsey was going to do an internship in Texas and put that this baby was for sale. Well, she had dropped the price to such a point that I'm like, if I don't buy them, I'm almost concerned with who is going to buy them at that price. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I will buy him. Well, I get him home, and she took phenomenal care of him. But baby horses are tricky, and he was going through some some shit, obviously, and he needed additional love. And so I get up home and I start him on EPM beds. I start him on Succeed, and I start addressing his biggest issue, which is he quite literally is a swayed back swamp donkey. That is the best thing to call him. When I laugh and say that somebody's riding a swayed back swamp donkey, they're riding him. He looks like a 35-year-old retired saddlebred horse that had a 500-pound rider his entire life. And I'm like, oh, so I research everything on backs. And the number one thing that I keep saying is lordosis, 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 which lordosis is basically where they have a wedged-shaped spine, uh, spinal uh, bones, and they're wedge-shaped, and that's how they grow. The horses are perfectly sound. There's been a lot of successful racehorses with lordosis. It's just not pretty. And in an industry where people like pretty horses, it is hard to look at. And so the adventure starts of what do I do? Well, I start watching this baby a lot, and I watch him move, and I'm like, he's not moving like a complete animal. He's moving in separate portions like his front end moves and his back end moves and i'm like it's not moving like a regular horse and so i take him down to ronda martin and we start working on him and we've gotten him for the most part he, we brought up his back quite a bit we're definitely we got about a year's worth of work ahead of us but tc snyder reached out to ronda when i took him down there to have him look at his feet um and tc was like ronda what are we doing on this horse so i now have a farrier and a body worker working together to correct this baby and he is coming along but you put that into a year with everything else it was just like wow 
this up. This is the best thing possible, right? <laughs> so we get that all worked out. We're working that. He's we're on the road to rehab. And if you've ever rehabbed a horse, you know it's a long, slow, painful process. And I'm literally loading him up in a trailer tomorrow to go around the state of Missouri and Kansas and do his once weekly appointments. Basically, it's my Sundays. That's what I'm going to do all day. That's a really, not to cut you off, but that's a really unique team. I feel like, I feel like, do we ever really hear a farrier working with a body worker? Like usually it's like your fairy and your vet and sometimes they don't get along great, but I just think that's awesome. Like it, it is. those are cool people willing, you know what I mean? Cause it's some people are so weird. They don't believe well, in some body work or they don't believe in this or whatever. Yes, and that unfortunately was my last farrier. Um, I when I moved and I started using him, I tried to get him to reach out to my last farrier that I had been using, and he never did. And I was just like, oh well, maybe that's not what people do. So the one thing that I absolutely uh, was such a huge like turn on and was like, oh my god, like this guy gets it, was the fact that when he started analyzing that baby, he literally had a Bluetooth piece in his ear. He goes call Rhonda and right then and there everything in my world was just like yep this this was meant to be like yeah, my cool. last barrier would not have done that and yeah. so it sucks that my road mare got hurt in the process but it put me in the direction of finding somebody that was willing to work with somebody else that I trust with literally my life Hey, and we're going to pause again there because right there, that's a mentality thing. Like she's saying, this really sucks. My really expensive, nice horse got hurt. But hey, I found a better person and that's going to help me in the future. Anyways, that's just the way you have to view things or else you'll just be you depressed all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, such a strong believer in if you get too narrow-minded and you try to focus on the, on the current you don't see that sometimes, and actually a lot of times, things happen for a reason. 100%. And, and it, it's so hard to see when you're going through horrible moments, but things, honest to God, happen for a reason. And sometimes it takes a couple of days after that traumatic moment to step back and be like, oh my God. I got a new farrier out of my mare getting hurt. Yeah, we've spent the last year spending like 10000 in vet bills, but I now have a farrier who is knowledgeable enough and willing to work with somebody else to get both of my horses sound. Which, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, that's, that's what you, you got to do. You, have to, you literally have to have a team to go up and down the road. And that team is, is made up of vets and body workers and farriers and anybody who's willing to just listen to somebody else that that makes up your team and unfortunately i think people think that's just like the professionals or the high caliber but honestly like you have to have that team at any level because at that's just the level. sport <laughs> and it sucks that it's that's that much money and this can't just be like a easy hobby but that's the cost yeah. but yeah not yeah. to dwell on that i just had to point that out we're writing things that can't talk at a high level. I mean, yeah, I'm going to North Topeka today. It's a small little, like, 50-entry barrel race. But I'm still going to ask her for 100%. You know, I'm still going to ask her to run like we're running mm -hmm. at a big race. I mean, that's – you're still asking a lot of these horses. So even if you're not doing this on a level of the pros, you're still asking your horses to do things that the pro horses are doing, and you need you need that team. That's a good point. I never thought about it that way. And, and I've always known, you know, they don't know the difference of what check is going to be handed out that day, whether it's a $20 they don't know check. The check. Yeah, they have, they don't know the difference, you know, only you do, but that's a good point. You're still, you're still doing what the pros do in a lot of ways. Exactly. But back to kind of why this year wasn't really that bad. Like I had a lot of bad things happen, but at the same time, I, I got answers for a lot. You know, I'm the kind of person that I, I, I raise cattle for a living. And if you have livestock, unfortunately, 
you have dead stock. And I'm the kind of person that nothing bothers me more than if I lose an animal and I don't know why. Now, if I have an answer, like I, one of my puppy dogs died this year. Well, took him to the vet, finds out he had really bad cancer. Mm. And the vet's like, we need to put him down. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I didn't cry. It didn't bother me because I had an answer for what was wrong. When I don't have an answer, that's like, wow, this sucks. Yes, 100%. I can't fix it. But to kind of go back to why this year wasn't so bad, I am an open book on Facebook, and if most people know me, they know that um, I had a good home life, but I had a horrible home life at the same time. So growing up, I, I laugh because most people think this is like a lot. Like they don't, they can't grasp that this is real. Uh, but growing up, I was a daddy's girl, and I was a daddy's girl because my mother hated me. Put it nicely, my mother hated me. You're Beth Dutton. Do what? I said you're like Beth Dutton and her mom. Yeah, my, yeah, <laughs> my mom hated me, and so. Fast forward, I had a pretty good life. Dad made sure I had a good upbringing. Like my dad, rock star man. Um, but when he passed away of cancer, that was in 2019, and it was my first year of college. You know, thankfully, I was kind of already on my own two feet, kind of going. Like I'd always been a very independent person because I'm like, I probably need to get my shit in order. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when my dad died, uh, how do I put this? eloquently um his will i'll just kind of explain how horrible my mother was his will wasn't finalized and so my mother cornered my oldest sister and said look if we don't forge a will and take the other kids out of the will which i had half brothers and sisters which they were much older doesn't excuse what she did um but it, she basically says, if we don't remove them from the will, we're not going to get anything. And if we don't have a will, everything gets divided up evenly and we lose the farm. So my sister being young, which we're very young, mm-hmm. she said, okay, we'll do this. And so my mother forged a will and took my in-laws out of it and did this. And so... The months after my father passed away, we were sitting at the kitchen table with who I, a woman, my adopted mom. She was my dad's estate handler. Um, and my mother looked at my sister and I and said, I never loved you. I never loved you. I never loved your father. I buried him for this money. And I'm going to leave in my Cadillac XLR and go with be with my new boyfriend. And she did. And she quite literally packed her bags, she stole my dog, she stole my bed, I mean, anything she could get her fingers on, she took, and literally left a 19-year-old girl in a 3,000-square-foot, 300-acre farm by herself, paying the electric, the water, everything, taking care of all the livestock, because my sister had just gotten married and was trying to, like, you know, have a normal life, Mm -hmm. But, but she left. And I was a full-time waitress. I was in college full-time. And then I was I was doing all this. And I remember it never really hit me that any of this was happening. Because I, I think I deep down knew it was going to happen. And so I just, just did. I mean, I worked full-time at the restaurant. I was taking summer classes because I wanted to try and graduate early. And I was just powering through life. And thankfully, my sister stepped in and was like, holy crap, you're living in this house by yourself trying to do all this. This is no no life for a 19-year-old kid. Like, good job, but no, we we need to fix this. Right. Hey, Mel, stop. Pause for one second. I have to start a new. Okay, now you can keep going. Sorry about that. And so thankfully, my sister stepped in and sent me to school at Missouri Valley. And so we took money out of my inheritance. We bought what I thought was going to be, I, I thought, 
man, I'm gonna I'm gonna win all these college rodeos on this brand new horse that I've only ridden like three times. So <laughs> we go down to Texas, we try out thirteen horses in one day and we we buy this little paint mare which I laughed, I'm like, oh god, I'm riding a paint horse, which, <laughs> if you know me now, and you know me from Facebook, I am very much, do not pick on the color of my horse, if it can outrun you, Yeah. and so I buy this little paint mare, which is the mother to the two babies I now have, but we buy this paint mare, and um, go off the college rodeo, and I'm like, I'm, I'm going to set the world on fire, I, in fact, did not set the world on fire, not even a little bit, not, not, no. Uh, it was, it was very fortunate if her and I would complete a pattern. And this is called ready. We're supposed to be like, good. That was not. And so I'm spending crazy money trying to call it rodeo from Missouri Valley. And I'm working two jobs and my roommate moves out. So now I'm paying like $800 in rent every month plus utilities plus trying to buy food plus trying to buy food for my horse and I go broke and I'm not talking like broke like oh you know no I had people buying me food because the money I did make from my job I was spending it on food for my animals and of course they weren't going to eat cheap food because no I was like I can starve but they can't and so I had people buying me food in college and it got so bad that I think I was spending like Thanksgiving and Christmas by myself. And I was like begging the people at work to be open because I'm like, oh, we can make so much money on Christmas. Well, it wasn't, it was because I had nowhere to go. I was, I would literally sit on my couch with day old food that somebody else bought me and watch TV all day because I had nothing else to do that was probably one of the lowest points in my life was I had nobody I had nothing and I was just trying to sit up survive so once again my sister steps in and she's like send me your horse I will keep her up here at my house that way you don't have to try and feed her and focus on working and focus on getting an education so I did and I was able to like save some money, get a college education. I graduated. Yay. And so that horrible point in my life led me to meeting my sister-in-law, who obviously wasn't my sister-in-law at the time, but I met her at a barrel race. Um, and she introduced me to my now husband. So one of those, wow, my life sucked, but not only did I get a husband out of the deal, but I also got my little paint mare, who won me 30 grand in earnings and then gave me two beautiful babies. So another one of those like, oh, you got to step back and look at the bigger picture because, you know, I I was in a really rough situation and it was, it sucked. Man, did it suck. And I think that's why this year that, it, it, this year is sucked. But, you know, I have, I have a roof over my head. I have horses that, as a 16-year-old kid, I would probably sell a kidney for. Um, you know, I get, I get to do what I love every single day. It doesn't suck. Right. There's, there's parts of my life that have sucked. But, I mean, my dad and back in time again but my dad grew up in a concentration camp so maybe that's why I have this mentality of like just do it because my dad's my grandpa my dad's dad was a Dutch merchant marine during World War II so when the Japanese came through Indonesia and the coast or the uh, islands they locked up anybody and my dad's family was a family that, because they were Dutch, we were on the Allied forces, they lost them up. And so my dad grew up in a concentration camp, you know, not to the extreme of what people think Auschwitz was, right. but he was a prisoner of war living in 
horrible conditions where they went without food. And I think when I was going through all of this, I just in the back of my mind, I'm like, it, it could be worse. Yes. You know, it, it sucks. But, you know, if I really want to, I, I am making money. I can, I can get food. You know, I have amazing people in my life who are buying me food and helping me. It could be so much worse. And it is for so many people. We're just, we're so very spoiled in this country because, you know, we, we turn on a light and we have electricity, you right, know? Right, Where, you know, my dad grew up in an environment where they were trying to kill rats to live. Like, if that doesn't put things perspective for you yeah I don't know what does well there's so many there's so many things that you said that just that's I I'm kind of like you I subscribe to the it could be worse and I very much like you my parents did the best they could I had a good like 50 50 like you like you know kind of how you described so you but I just I'm the same way and those tough times create the toughest people and I think about it often and not to talk about me, but I'm going to have a baby soon. Right. And I'm talking to my husband. I'm like, how do we give our kid everything they want and make sure they don't turn out to be an entitled whiny piece of shit? You know what I mean? Cause it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like very few times do you meet someone who, who had grandparents, like great, great, great parents who gave them what they wanted, but they turned out to be salt of the earth people. Those salt of the earth people come from stories like what you just said, you know, your background, your dad's background. But that's kind of why I I wanted to do something like this because people still have the desire to want to to learn how to persevere, even though they're not hardwired to do so. Like I believe some people are kind of hardwired that way because of they just have to survive. You were just surviving. You know, at the time you didn't have time to think about how bad this sucked because you were just worried about surviving. And well, if you ask to anybody get to the next that, step. if you ask anybody that remembers me from high school rodeo and hasn't seen me since, um, I was not a great person. Like I was a horrible, spoiled little brat because my dad, once again, I had a good, good life to a point growing up. My dad was a doctor. He made six figures. Like we were not hurting. I was riding very high level horses. And if I wanted anything, I got it. Like I was very spoiled, very entitled, and people hated me because I acted that way. Right. Like, looking back on that, I can say that about myself. I was a spoiled little bitch. It wasn't until I lost everything, and I really did lose everything. My dad gave us an inheritance. But it wasn't until I had to start really working for it that it became clear to me that what I was was not what I wanted to be. Right. And so it, it changed me. So, yeah, you're correct in saying that if you give your kid everything without making them work for it, they become entitled little mm-hmm. assholes because I was. Right. And it was just my dad gave us everything because he didn't have everything and he wanted to make sure we had everything. But he created three little monsters. My sister, myself, and my mother was the worst monster. And so... I'm not going to tell anybody how to parent their kids because I don't have kids and we've been trying for like a year and a half. (laughs) So um, I I can laugh about it because I deal in reproduction with cattle a lot. And so I know all of of the science behind how to create a baby and it just, it makes me laugh. And I'm like, I can breed a hundred head of cattle every year. And then I try to get bred and it's like, wow. Who would have thought it was this hard? Oh my gosh. Well, and well, I want to say that's exactly when you're talking about your dad, he wanted to give that to you guys. That's kind of where I'm coming from too, where I want to give it to my kid. But anyways, that's, yeah, another extra layer on the cake is the, you know, technically a year and a half that you would be medically deemed and, you know, you're technically infertile, you know, anything above a year they call infertile or whatever. And that's an extra layer on the cake and not everybody's meant to deal with that. But like what you were saying, when you don't have answers to why that's when it bothers you, that's kind of where my story began because I feel like I had my story, I won't tell it, but a difficult, 
not so great life, but equally so good. And at the same time, I don't know how to explain it. And so when I was ready to have babies, I was like, and then I started having miscarriages. I was like, this is the one thing that I thought was going to be easy, right? Like, why can't anything just be easy in my life? And I made, I had to make a choice, either feel bad for myself or feel bad for myself and be awful to other people, you know, because that's where your brain automatically takes you because it does suck. And I didn't, I chose, I chose the other route. And that's when I kind of deep dove into this perseverance and what makes or breaks people because going through that and I've never had a problem getting pregnant, but I know a lot of people who have had issues getting pregnant. There's like a deep divide. You either subscribe to the, the acting on your emotions. Cause you do get jealous. Some people get jealous. I mean, it's very common. It's, it's reasonably. So you either act on those emotions and treat people horribly, or you subscribe to the other side of the fence where you're like, you know, this freaking sucks, but I can't be a piece of shit to everybody else because I'm struggling. And that to me, like that to me is like my definition of strength, but that's just because of my story. But you know, once again, it's just, it's not what you're made of. Like you guys, you can grow that muscle, you know, and make your decision. Um, You have to change your mindset. And I I don't want to sit here and be like, I'm so strong and I've never, you know, there was a point in my life numerous times that I was so selfish in my way of thinking that I thought about ending it. And I lost a boyfriend to suicide. Um, it's, It's a really hard topic to talk about, but I feel like it needs to be talked about. But I lost a boyfriend to suicide, and what made it even worse was he wrote a note, and he blamed me in the suicide note, because we had broken up, we, we'd been dated for three years, wanted to take some time off because I was going to college, well, he committed suicide three months before my dad died, mm. and then exactly a year later, my best friend died in a car crash. So, in a short, very short period of time, I lost everybody I knew and loved and cared about. But I lost, I'm going to say, love of my life. I now have grown to the point where I know he's not the love of my life. But at the time, he was the love of my life to suicide. And he blamed me. That's, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. And then three months later, you lose your father to cancer. And it's like, wow. This is cool. This is wow. This is what 19 is about. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it took me a long time to realize that what he did, and I don't want people to think that I'm being an asshole towards people who have committed suicide or that I think low of them. Like, no, 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 no. But in my mind and in my definition, it is selfish when you commit suicide because you're not hurting anybody you're, you're hurting yourself but you're killing other people because you're, you're you think you're healing your pain but you're putting pain on other people yeah and so i actually i was on a drug this spring um and it, it's a pretty it's a uh it basically numbs your senses and i was on this drug and my pain wasn't getting better and there was a day that i'm sitting in the house by myself and i'm like two months out from surgery and at this point in time, I couldn't even sleep in a bed because I was in so much pain. I couldn't lay down. And it was an especially hard day. And I literally had the thought of if this pain does not get better, can I go on? Mm-hmm. And I took them damn drugs and I threw them in the trash. And I said, uh-uh, we're not doing that. And I, I, fortunately, I have enough awareness that when I get into a state like that, I can walk outside and realize I have horses. I have newborn baby cows at this point. I have so much that relies on me that those thoughts don't need to be in my head. Yeah. But I think if we're being real and we're being honest, and I like being real and I like being honest with people, you can see that on Facebook, it's okay to admit that you have those thoughts. We all do. Life can be so heavy. I mean, it just will knock you down. And it's okay to admit 
hey, I'm having I'm having trouble right now. Like yes. mentally, I'm not good. And I think if you have friends and you're able to tell your friends these things, this is the best thing in the world you can do. You just need somebody there to be like, look, you have all this. You're you're not in a bad place. You're just you're in a struggle. But I mean. If we're being real and honest, I think at some point everybody has had those thoughts because we've all gone through shit. Nobody, nobody has a great life. Maybe if you're like Jeff uh, Bezos, but I mean, I'm sure his life wasn't perfect. No, mo so, money, mo problems. And it's funny, like that's yeah. such a stupid saying, but the older you get, the more you realize how true that is. But, oh yeah. I mean, I think what you, we, we definitely, I, I subscribe, I believe so too. We all go through that and we all have that. And it's, it's horrible that suicide and everything surrounding it. But I think social media and just who we are, like human nature in general, how you said you were a brat and you had money and your dad spoiled you, but yet people probably saw that and were like, oh, Melinda. And then they have everything, but then you went home and and there was pain there, you know, there was issues there, there were, you know, and, yeah. and, and we're love, so trained I, to think that people just have it so perfect and they don't like, we all have such heavy shit. I know there's times that stuff that goes on, my, on with my family, I'm like, no one else has had to deal with this. And I have to just, I have to pull myself up and be like, no, like people might have, people have to deal with worse. And yeah. I have this like little reminder to myself and I don't know if I heard this somewhere, if it's an original thought, I, I don't think it's an original thought, but it really helps me. I'm like, if we all stood in a circle and threw out our issues into the middle of the circle, we would all be elbowing and fighting each other to go back and get ours back. Cause we wouldn't want to trade with anybody else. Yes. Like, and I, I just, cause I'm always like, it could be so much worse, even though we've all like, you've gone through some really, really heavy stuff. I could say the same and there's no like scale to grade it on against one another, but I don't know, man. So, so I, I love and I hate social media. And the reason I love and hate social media is that people only share. It's just people who are like, I love my husband and our marriage is so perfect. And my kids are so perfect. And you're like, is it? Right. Or are you just trying to tell people that it is? And that's why I don't like being that person on social media. Because it's not, you know, I don't want people thinking that my life is so perfect. Like from the outside looking at, yeah, I live a really good life. I am super blessed, like would not trade my life for anything, but it has its moments. And I don't want people looking at my social media and being like, well, this girl has everything. And uh, It no, feels want- phony and you don't want people to feel bad. And those people who don't have that realization yet that everyone has like, because when you're young and naive, you think you see that and you feel bad. Well, I felt that would feel bad about myself. Like, well, they have everything. And so, like, now that I'm older and I do have these really great things in my life, I don't like to share them that much because I think about, like, what about that really naive person who might – that might make them feel bad about themselves? I don't know if that makes sense. But, like, I kind of think like that because I grew up – I'm young enough where I've had social media since the beginning, you know? And it's just, yeah, it's good and bad. And I'm hesitant. I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I want to make sure people know because it does look nice from the outside, you know. I just, I always think about, yeah, my, tro- my troubles and my struggles are hard. But there are literally people in this world fighting to survive. There are people battling cancer mm-hmm. there are people battling illnesses there are people in third world countries that cannot drink clean water that are literally starving so at the end of the day yeah my horse might be lame but i walk in my house i turn on a switch my lights come on i have food in my refrigerator i have health i'm healthy for the most part yeah my back is not great but i can get out of bed i can go to the gym i can you know, I can do all these things that I take for granted every single day. And there are people who would literally give everything they have to be able to eat breakfast. Mm-hmm. And that's, so, you don't even have to go that far. I think about that often. Like, you could travel 30 minutes into town where I live and find that, you know. You don't have to go far to find people who would kill to have your life. 
and the things exactly. that you have. And I, I use that as a constant reminder as well of just, you know, I, 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 you know, when we struggled with losing babies, I just told myself, I, and I, I don't mean to brag cause we worked really hard at it, but I have a great relationship. Like I could, yeah. I, 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 there's things that my husband does for me and he's every bit of a man, more of a man than any, a lot of what I see some of my girlfriends have to deal with, but just like this, the things that he has done with for me and that we do together and we've worked really hard at it. But I just, I would cling to, you know, when the jealousy would creep in, I'm not afraid to say it. You do get jealous, you know, of some people who it's so easy for them and, and you feel have you met my best friend have you met randy because sometimes you, i look at her and i'm like i hate you yeah and you just you just have to i would just kind of be like you know but they probably are struggling struggling somewhere else oh my gosh yeah you know and i i'm not i'm gonna throw my mom under the bus here and um she's one of those people that ever since she heard my dad divorce she's not been happy one time because she doesn't have a relationship and she thinks that a man will fix her problems and, I'm just, and she will get jealous in, in ways towards other women who are like married. And I'm like, but you don't know what that woman had to go through to stay married to that man. You don't know if they're actually happy or what, you know what I mean? And I'm just not big into people fixing your problems. It's either they'll help you, <laughs> but you know, you, you and God fix them together. It's perfectly normal to get jealous. I get jealous and I'm not a jealous person but every time I feel myself getting jealous and it's easy I my girlfriend is Randy Prindle you look at her and you're like wow like, yeah. holy crap but here's the deal yes I can get super jealous of what she has or because she's my friend I can be like what are you doing how do you do this help yeah. me and you know what it's a strong woman to ask for help, but it's an even stronger woman to be like, yeah, what do you need? I'll help you. Let's do this. Right. Be- because that jealousy thing in women, and God, we grew up in the 90s. Lord knows women were put off against each other all freaking time. Brittany, Christina Aguilera, hello. <laughs> it's so easy for our generation to be like, well, I hate her. Well, why do you hate her? Well, she has something I don't have. Well, instead of hating her, why don't you just go ask her how she got it? Mm-hmm. You know, more often than not, that girl knows that you're jealous that she has something. And she probably will share the secrets of how she got it with you because she cares more about helping somebody than having somebody be jealous of her. At yes. least that's how I am. Yes. If I have something that you want or you want to know a secret to, ask me. I'll tell you anything. I, I don't care. I mean... I don't care tell about telling people, yeah, we're, we're struggling to get pregnant. Or, yeah, my horse came up late because I was too stupid to pick up her feet and realize what was going on. You know, I'm okay with admitting my mistakes and my faults, and I'm willing to help you to fix yours if you ask me. Well, and I, so that train of thought of, like, when someone has something that you wish you had, naive Quincy used to be like, well, that was given to them. And then now the more I realize it more times than not, that long-term success that people have, that's not given. Like that's Yeah. And well, I was young. I'm young, you know, (laughs) but like, I definitely realized that. But once again, something I inherited from my mommy, but, um, I like don't think that way anymore. And it's like, so eye opening. And I think about how many people think that way. I, I can think of a lot of people who think that way. And I'm so glad I don't see it that way anymore. You know? it's, it's, a, it's very easy to do because I think in our minds, it's easier to just say, well, that was handed to them instead of being like, well, maybe they worked their asses off for it. And that's yeah. all you have to do because I, I really think that as humans, we like to be lazy because I enjoy being lazy. I like taking days off. So it's easier just to be like, well, that was handed to them. Instead of just being like, well, maybe if you got off your ass yeah, and you went worked for it, you'd have it too. And there is a lot of luck that goes into a lot of stuff, but equally it's all a balance. You know, it's equally hard work, but that's one thing that I also, we could blame social media for amplifying in my opinion, you know, that, that train of thought too. And it does. I, like I said, I love and I hate social media because you get this perfect picture from everybody. Nobody wants to post about, oh, I gained 30 pounds over Christmas. <laughs> yeah. when, honestly, we probably all do. Yeah. If, but if we only get to share the good, and when you only see the good, 
in somebody's life, it's easy to get jealous. And that's what that's what people want. You want to share the good because that's what you're proud of. You don't want to share the bad. Right. And something, and so something you know, we're talking about how, how lucky we are and, so, and blessed in so many ways. We also have to remember that that doesn't mean that our problems aren't big problems too. Like, yeah, we can we can carry the weight, but if we need to go to a friend and vent, like you're allowed, like, cause I got to the point where I was in such a bad, bad place, but like, I would not let myself gripe or complain about it. Cause I would just keep going, well, I have this and this. So why should I be sad about that? When I went through traumatic things, you know, just like everybody goes through something traumatic at some point. And my friend would just remind me like, that doesn't just because their problems are worse in a way it, and they have less than you doesn't mean that this isn't hard. It like, goes back to that needing a team. You know, your horse isn't the only one that needs a team to go up and down the road. And your team is the people that are there for you. They're your friends. You know, this spring when I was in a bad place mentally, I reached out to a counseling website and was getting counseling through a website because I didn't want to bother other people with my problems, but I needed to talk about them even though they weren't that bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Our problems in the grand scheme of things are not bad at all, but they're still bad for us. And if you don't release some of that steam and you don't have somebody to talk to, it can really add up. And I think it's important that, you know, it's always hard to reach out to somebody professionally to help you, but there's websites there's there's so much out there that can help you. I reached out to BetterHelp.com. It's not sponsored. If I if this gets flagged, I'm sorry. But no, it's a site of counselors. You can match up with the one that works for you, and you can talk to somebody. Yep, and I did. That's all I, you have to do. I used BetterHelp too. It did not really go well for me, but I could have tried harder, probably. <laughs> <laughs> My counselor kept messaging me back at like midnight because she was on. A different, a different time zone. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> I need to talk about these problems in real time. Like, I'm one of those people. You're, so <laughs> you can change your you can change your counselor. You know I know. That, right? <laughs> I was like, you know what? I was like, I'll just do this on my own. But yes, I I tell people all the time. I have people. I have friends who are like, I think I need to see a counselor. They've tried before and it didn't go well. And I know I don't take my own advice, but I'm like, keep trying until you find the person who works for you. I should take my own advice, but you know. I mean, I had Snapchat sessions with one of my phone calls with another girlfriend, and we would just vent to each other. And, like, sometimes even listening to somebody else's problems, like a girlfriend, will make you realize, oh, well, mine's not really that bad. Yes, 100%. And I think it just, you need a team of people who support you, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. I, I, I'm with, I'm, I like with barrel racing when I would get nervous and I mean, it's something that I've been trying to do and I've been trying to do it on my own for so long and I'm so close, but I'm so far away. I used to just remind myself, I'm like, this is just, this is just extra. This is just good. You know, because I think about like, there's people who, um, don't have vehicles, you know, and I'm out here with a horse, you know, it's just, I have to remind myself often. It's just, if you even get to own one and keep it alive and feed it, you're doing good. Keep it alive. (laughs) Hey Mel, my recorders counting down that we're on our last 30 minutes. I'll let you keep driving. If you want to record like an ending note, we can do that too though. Um, that's fine. This is probably a good ending zone. I I feel like if I keep talking, it'll just get long. I can get very long-winded, but the only thing I'd say is if there's anybody struggling, even if you don't know me, you can always message me on Facebook. I've I've reached out to random people before and been like, help. So even if you don't know me, I have, I think, 5,000 friends on Facebook. I'm sure I'm friends with somebody who will listen to this. Don't feel like, oh, I can't talk. No, your cat's on my social media. I have Instagram. I have Facebook. You can message me. I will answer you. I... I like to talk, obviously. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Mel said you have to have a team and girlfriends, and I know that there's some people, and that's just how it goes. They might not have that right now. You're free to message me, too. I love hearing from the listeners. 
people I don't even know from all, you know, different states. And I've had some really deep conversations with some of them. It's, it's great. It's good. I mean, I like talking to people, obviously, but I mean, it just, I think it helps everybody realize that we're, we're all in this together, essentially, and maybe our only uh, common interest might be barrel racing, but I mean, that's okay. We're all human at the end of the day. Exactly. Well, thank so, you, ma'am. I won't keep you're you. You're very welcome. Good luck today. Um, I will get this published probably by the end of the day. I'm going to run some errands, and then I'll come home and work on it eventually. Yes, so, that's fine. Thank you so much for sharing. All right. I'll talk to you I'll later. I'll catch up with you later. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. There you have it. I know it's just Mel telling her story, but I find so much encouragement in hearing other people's hardships. You know, we're not trying to be your therapist or your life coach. Uh, that's not what I'm trying to do, but, or give unsolicited advice. But I just know that we can all learn something from everybody. And that's what I want to do with the podcast. So that's the direction we're heading for the next couple episodes. If you have a story to tell, as always, please reach out to me. Um, don't be bashful. It's really freeing. Um reach out if you have a story to tell and something that you think people need to hear, you're welcome here. It obviously does not need to be horse related. Thank you all as always for listening. We will talk to you next time. Take care.